Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, Finance Friday Edition, where we interview David and Danielle and talk about aggressively pursuing financial freedom and setting yourself up for financial success through big life changes. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen, and with me as always is my back to house hacking co-host, Scott Trench. That's right, Mindy, and I'm here as always with my serial living flippin' awesome co-host, Mindy Jensen. <laughs> I love that. Scott and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else. To introduce you to every money story because we truly believe financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter when or where you're starting. That's right. Whether you want to retire early and travel the world, go on to make big-time investments in assets like real estate, start your own business, or deploy the equity in what is likely your biggest asset, your housing, to the pursuit of financial freedom. We'll help you reach your financial goals and get money out of the way so you can launch yourself towards your dreams. Speaking of getting things out of the way, Scott, I am going to blast through this disclaimer that says the contents of this podcast are informational in nature and are not legal or tax advice, and neither Scott nor I, nor Bigger Pockets, is engaged in the provision of legal tax or any other advice. You should seek your own advice from professional advisors, including lawyers and accountants, regarding the legal tax and financial implications of any financial decision you contemplate so that I can get to this big announcement. You're house hacking again? I thought you were a renter, Scott. That's right. On uh, April 30th, I moved back into a house hack uh, of the property I own. What's going on? Yeah, we, we enjoyed our time living in a rental um, uh, in the Wash Park, a nice a nice kind of posh area here in Denver where you, there's a, nice, a beautiful park. And we decided we want a little bit more space. And uh, I think in 2019 or 2020, uh, I, with a partner, bought a duplex out in Lakewood about 20 minutes west of Denver, just nestled right under, uh, right close to the mountains here. And anyways, this is a big duplex. Each side is five beds, three baths. Um, so that's 10 beds, six baths total. It's got a nice yard on each side, a garage, all that kind of stuff. And the uh, mortgage in the property is 3,200 and the other side pays 2,700. So I will pay rent. This is a slightly smaller side, um, of just slightly less than that to, my own business that I own with a partner, right, uh, uh, in there, and and that that um, will recycle pretty nicely and make and allow it to be a pretty pretty cost effective way to live with a little bit more space and a really good financial decision. And you know, I was a little apprehensive what I really like it. And I'm like, I love living there. So, you know, yes, I would absolutely live in the rental properties that I own. I have lived in multiple of them, uh, to this point. So, nice. um, yeah, we're, we're loving it so far. We're a couple days in and, and, uh, still, still unpacking and unboxing or whatever, but, um, yeah, I'm excited. Well, that's great. And then the baby has a little running around room when she starts to run around. Oh, she has tons of space. Yeah. We've got, we've got, <laughs> it's so great. I've got, uh, we've got our master, we've got the, uh, baby's room. We've got a nice living room area with a, with a fireplace. And then downstairs, we have a main area with our um, very non bigger pockets, money friendly, uh, 77 inch flat screen. And then, uh, <laughs> uh, and then, and then uh, my wife's office in a guest bedroom, which will double as my office. So it's a, it's perfect. We're, we're, we're thrilled with it and it's luxury living for sure. Luxury house hacking, I guess, if you want to still call it house hacking, but we're back. I'm coming to your house for the Super Bowl next year, Scott. Yeah, go birds. <laughs> My Eagles will be back. They just had a fantastic NFL draft. I was going to say congratulations to the Philadelphia Eagles on their amazing draft success. As always, the Bears disappointed. The only one unhappy with this move is our cat, Fred. He's 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 not really enjoying the new place quite so much. It'll probably take him another week or two. He has more space. Come on, Fred, get with the program. He'll eventually come around. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. Well, today, Scott, we are speaking with David and Danielle, who are considering a big move just like yours. They are looking into ways to use their primary residence to further their financial position. In the beginning of this show, I run through their numbers and it looks like they have a deficit of spending. We find out a little bit later that that might not totally be the case. So stay tuned to this episode. And before we bring in David and Danielle, let's get to our money moment. This is the new segment of the show where we share a money hack, tip, or trick to help you on your financial journey. And today's money moment is, are you paying for a gym membership? check your health insurance policy. Some health insurance plans will reimburse you for gym memberships and other fitness-related expenses. Do you have a money tip for us? Email moneymoment at biggerpockets.com. You ever feel like your vacation rental sits empty too often? Missing out on potential income? Look, you're not alone. Many property owners struggle with underperforming bookings and the complexities of property management. But here's some good news. Vacasa outperforms other property managers in 92% of the markets they operate. They've helped homeowners like you increase their bookings by an average of 24%, turning those empty days into profitable opportunities. Want to see what your earnings could look like with Vacasa? Visit biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, and get a free personalized income estimate today. That's biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're trying to close on your next rental. So why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. David and Danielle have three kids and are interested in figuring out their path to fire. Last October, Danielle left her job, which has put a bit of a strain on their finances. They are currently overspending by almost $1,000 a month. Danielle and David, welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. I'm super excited to talk to you guys today. Thank you so much for having us. We're excited to be here. Yeah. Let's dive into your money snapshot. I'm showing a salary of $5,000 a month with bonus potential up to $30,000 a year, depending on performance, on average, about $5,000 net every three months. Monthly expenses, I'm showing $5,800, so overspending by about $800 a month, and overspending, I mean more than what you're bringing in. So we're going to look at these expenses a little more closely than we might in a different episode. 
mortgage, $1,400 a month. That's property tax and insurance. There's no HOA. I think that's a great mortgage payment. Utilities, $371. Gasoline, $200. Oh, groceries, $1,200. Restaurants, $500. Guess what I'm going to talk to you guys about? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Subscriptions, $25. Gym, $60. Car, $70. Daycare, $800. But Danielle doesn't have a job. I see another topic of conversation. Gifts, $50. Entertainment, $85. Travel, $220. Miscellaneous. I've got medical, $200. Home maintenance, $200. And pets, $80. So I did call out a few things that we will talk about later. Quick question on that. Those are allocations, not uh, you are estimating for those types of expenses. Not Those are not actuals, right? So those are based on the past four months. Uh, we just averaged out the cost, and that's what it kind of is. Okay, let's look at where that money is going. We've got investments of $62,000 in cash, $15,000 in a brokerage account, $25,000 in a traditional IRA, and $9,000 in a Roth IRA. And the only debt is $130 on a mortgage? Yep, that's right. Okay. Well, that's awesome. Let's celebrate that. There's no outstanding debt except the mortgage, which in my opinion doesn't count because you got to live somewhere. So that's good. And what's the home equity um, house value? Yeah. The house value is about 310,000. Awesome. So we got 180 grand in the house in equity. Okay. So Danielle, why don't you give us a bit of an overview of your money story? I started working at a young age when I was 16 in the restaurant industry, you know, bussing tables. At 18, I went into banking. So I've always wanted to earn my own money. However, I spent it, spent it quite easily. I, my parents didn't really teach us about savings more than I always heard save 10% of every paycheck, but I, I guess occasionally, not, not too often. And it wasn't shown to me. Like they would say that, but I didn't, tr- maybe I didn't trust it. Um, and so I just never really thought about fi- financial independence. It wasn't really something that I was aware of. I grew up here in Texas and my family, uh, my granddad worked until, you know, his his last day on earth. So I literally have been shown that you work until either retirement at a very late age or um, until you die. And, and that's just kind of the mindset I had with you can just you can spend, enjoy your life and, and spend, you know, or save slowly over time. So I began saving up through the bank that I worked at. I had a little uh, retirement account um, going in a 401k. And over time, that grew to about 15 grand. And then in my previous marriage, I wound up with someone who was very, had made very unhealthy financial decisions, uh, like is used to taking out loans and things like that. And I was kind of uh, had this decision that we went through to for me to stay home with our kids for a year that I needed to cash in my 401k of 15 grand to live off of. So that was a very unwise decision. I later learned and didn't really think about it at the time, like how detrimental that would be to my future financial life. But um, yeah, so cashed that in. And then from there, it was really a life of like financial strife, like living off payday loans. And it was really hard. I eventually became a a single mom, stay at home. I had to stay at home for a little while and 
and then start out on my own and literally build back and get back, get into a career. Um, so I went down the road of getting into sales and working really hard. And I finally saw that I could have a really good income. I could make a really good living with sales. And so met David and um, we were doing really great until last year when I, I reached a point of burnout in my career. And I ended up not planning it, but giving up and kind of just for my mental health, just saying, I can't do this anymore, unfortunately. And without thinking about, you know, the repercussions of that. Um, and so that put us in a really difficult place. And ever since we've been struggling, we've been having, you know, the the issues come up. So uh, yeah, it's been really tough. And I met David and he really changed my way of thinking and taught me about financial independence and how we could have that could be a life for us one day that we could reach Phi at a young age and really enjoy our life and travel. And I became fully on board and and that's kind of where we are today. David, can we hear a quick little uh, bit about your money story? Yeah, so I think mine starts back in Hungary. That's where I grew up uh, in Europe. I started working in 2015 and I discovered like the concept of financial independence. And I was reading the blogs of Mr. Money Mustache and Rockstar Finance and all these different things. And so I knew about index funds and I knew about real estate investing, but in Hungary, there was no platform to do that. So I just kind of, you know, I had it in my mind, but I wasn't able to do it. So, so I, I put it aside. But even back then, I was lucky enough to live in an apartment that my parents bought, so I didn't have rent payment. And I thought to myself, oh, if I just moved to Nepal, I could rent out my apartment and basically live off the income. So I, I always wanted that. I just didn't really have like a, it didn't seem realistic to move to Nepal. It's not something I wanted to do. But then I moved to the US and after we got married with Danielle, it it really became a whole different ball game because previously I had like a backup plan. I thought if everything, you know, everything goes sideways, I'll just move to Nepal and live off my rental income. But when we got married and we had kids, that wasn't an option anymore because we had to be here. So like the struggle got real where where we realized if we're going to live here, we have to start making more money and saving more money and just be able to cover our expenses. Awesome. And um, it's uh, and walk us through what, what you're doing currently for work. Yeah. So I work in recruiting. I'm a talent sourcer. You know, that's a level below a recruiter uh, but, or people call it a headhunter. And I go and identify talent. I message them and uh, try to get them a job. So yeah, you you you're so that comes with a large amount of upside potential. Whenever you place a candidate, right? You get you get a large bonus. Is that correct? Or as you place more candidates? Uh, typically, that's how it works. For me, I get a base salary though of eighty thousand dollars, and then uh, there's like a on target earnings component, a, qu- a quarterly commission. If I hit my targets, I get paid out the quarterly commission. What I'm observing about your situation when I combine this is whatever the past decisions here, you have, again, zero debt. You've got tens of thousands of dollars in liquidity and tens of thousands more in investments, 180 grand in, in, in your home, uh, in home equity. And this situation of being cash flow negative clearly hasn't been going on for a long time. Right, so this is a new situation, at least in the combined in the sense of the combined finances. Is that right? Is that driving with 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 reality? Yeah, right. That makes me very nervous, especially given the fact that um, 
with the ex-husband, we've been going to court every year, spending about $20,000 a year in legal fees. And so it's uncertain whether that's going to keep happening and when a big expense might come up, you know, like even if we're just ru running out of $500 a month, if all of a sudden we get a $10,000 check from the attorney, then that scares me a lot. Okay. So we, we, you, you have reason to believe, or at least reason to worry that a liability that does not exist in the, in the debts that you, you know, anywhere in your financial statements exists and you will have to shell out cash. And this coupled with a declining slow, very slowly declining, I imagine savings account is, is the, are the two primary concerns in the, in, in the near term. Yes. I would say so. Yeah. And we've had some issues with the home that's come up that we, you know, dip into a few thousand here, a few thousand there. We live in an older home. You know, it was built in the 80s. And these issues are unforeseeable as to when they'll occur next. It kind of feels like it's it's one thing every month, you know, that pops up. So along with the attorney who um, charges us, you know, not every single month, but about every other month or so. And, you know, it's thousands of dollars at a time. So our court should be ending at the end of this month, our whole case. But, like, we would be happy to walk away. But we don't know if, you know, they file something again if they don't get their way. And so the next, in a year from now, we'll be in this situation again. That's what we don't want. Okay. Well, we've done a lot of BP Money episodes here. And whatever irresponsible is, your current situation is not that <laughs> uh, you're, you're doing you're doing great here, but we're we're, we're going to attack the root of the problem here and, and figure out how and, and brainstorm some ideas to, to solve it to solve it uh, nonetheless. I have an idea. Let's start with food. I'm showing seventeen hundred dollars a month in food. What does a typical grocery shopping excursion look like? Yeah, well, um, part of it is a bunch of baby diapers and wipes, <laughs> to be honest, and baby necessities. So I almost feel like we should budget that in a separate area, like maybe miscellaneous or something. Start putting that there because the baby requires that every week. Typically, it's David's gluten free, so the you know his needs for from the grocery store everything is hiked up for gluten free products. So we buy gluten free in addition to regular products as well. We're both pretty good eaters ourselves. I like to cook. I like to cook a lot. It's a bunch of family meals at home, you know, but typically at the grocery store, I would say the cheapest like we could get out of there for is is about 120 bucks. That's that's like I did good. I feel like I did well. For a week? No. What did you say? Or 3 days, 4 days? No, well, I, I think I think the the problem is is that whenever we go shopping, we always miss something. Yes. That we might need or, you know, we forgot to buy snacks for the kids to go to school. So that, then we go back to the store and end up coming home with another $100 worth of items. Yes, yes. I live that same exact life because I always just get one thing. And then it's you don't just get one thing, you get like 15 things. And if that was once a month, it's not a big deal. But when it's every week or several times a week, it gets to be a very big deal very quickly. Um, I would challenge you to take time and sit down and make an inventory of what you've got and make a shopping list. And I read this book by Steve and Annette Economides, America's Frugal Family Go Shopping or something where they go shopping once a month and that's it. 
And if they forget it, they just don't go back for it. And that was huge in changing my mindset about going to the grocery store. So I would challenge you to give yourself a couple of weeks to really get used to this, but shop when you are not hungry, when you don't have the children with you, and when you have time to make sure you have everything on your list, make a list before you go, only get what you need, and then leave. Another way to do this, if time is an issue, is do ordering online and curbside pickup um, so that you're not going in. You're not tempted to get this one thing. You can make the list on your, or you can shop on your computer and then, you know, hold it for a little bit, come back. Oh, I forgot the bananas. I forgot the fruit snacks. I forgot the strawberries. And Shop the sales. We have had several episodes over the course of our existence where we talked about ways to save money on groceries. Um, episode three with Erin Chase from $5 Dinners. She recommends shopping the sales. Oh, chicken legs are on sale this week. That's what you're going to eat this week. You're not going to go for the steak, even though you have a hun- uh, hunger for it because it's you know $10 a pound and chicken legs are 69 cents a pound. Now let's talk about restaurants. How frequently are you going out to restaurants? I would say on average about once a week, maybe. When we go out with the whole family, it easily goes to $130 or so. We all five of us go. So around once a week, sometimes twice a week, but we get a lot of coffee to go. <laughs> I would just look into making coffee at home. I know this is like not a huge deal every once in a while, but when we're trying to reduce our spending, you know, you can get really really great beans and figure out how to do it at home and then your your entire expenses for one month is on the espresso machine. I've got a great, I can't remember the name of the espresso machine, but it's like $99 and it makes I'm not an espresso connoisseur, but it makes really good espresso. I pour it on top of my regular coffee and it's fantastic. And that was, you know, now I don't go out and get coffee at home or at out. I can make it at home and it's the exact way I want it. Um, that could be a way to cut down some expenses. You have an additional cost at the beginning, but then you now you can make it at home all the time without feeling so guilty. Uh, I would encourage you to cut back on that uh, restaurant spending just because right now you do have the deficit. But look for ways to cut out the spending so that you can continue to have the things in your life without spending full price or retail price for it. Um, Something we haven't talked about, Danielle, is do you plan to go back to work? Yes, yes, definitely. And I never thought, you know, quitting my job wasn't something that I planned. Definitely. It was like a heat of the moment thing, which is terrible that it got to that point. But I've been interviewing tirelessly and I do actually have, finally, I have two offers um, on the table. So I'm actually reviewing an offer today, later this evening uh, with one company. And so, yes, so I've always planned to go back to work and I just never thought, you know, I thought that I would snag something right away, um, just kind of transition into another role immediately. I didn't even plan on taking a break. Um, but it was as soon as I think a lot of the, I work in tech and the layoffs started happening and there, the job market became, you know, uh, flooded. 
And the, the competition is fierce. For a lot of the roles, there were over 50 applicants that they were had through the whole interview process. It was just really tough. I've been doing interviews weekly for months now. So finally, I do. I have multiple offers to consider. So I'm really excited about that. It looks like I'll be starting at the end of May on the 30th. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. And what sort of income are we looking at here? It looks like it would be no less than a base salary of uh, 55000 Okay. Her, trying to get that up a little bit. Um, and then there's some salary, some commission um, potential in addition to that, roughly averaging about 2000 a month, possibly. And your plans for that will be to replenish the emergency fund and then what? That's really what brings us here. Another big thing that brings us to this conversation is we don't want to make the same mistake again because where I was at previously, I felt like we were kind of living life large. Like we, our kid, kids wanted, want for nothing, you know, but we were not taking advantage of that additional. We could have been saving 5000 a month when I had my previous job and we weren't really saving anything. It was just all kind of going out the window. So we want to be very careful now and, and, to decide where can we where can we put our savings where can we invest to help us along in our journey to financial independence. Okay, I have a bunch of questions here. This is the whole game. So you're, we're going to have fifty five thousand dollars in annual income above what we thought. Um, this completely eradicates the over the overspending by eight hundred dollars issue that we came in with. What is going to happen for childcare? What's happening currently? And what will happen after you return to work? Yeah, right now we still pay uh, daycare. $800 a month. And we're planning to keep that because we both work from home. And it's very difficult working with a screaming baby in the background. And that is you're paying that. Um, that's excellent from a price point perspective, right? You gotta, you gotta hook me up because I uh, we're gonna pay much more than that. <laughs> um, yes. uh, what what uh, uh, do you keep that in place? Uh, Danielle, um, while you're not working because it's hard to get into that same program? Or what was the rationale for, for that? Yeah, well, here's what actually happened. When I when we moved uh, from the Austin area up north a little bit to Temple, the, the cost of living is slightly less than where we were. And so we were really excited about the cost of daycare and signed him up immediately planning for myself to return to work and to be able to have that ability to interview without the interruption. However, in January, we did realize that, well, nothing's coming along. I've been interviewing for a few months. Maybe we should remove him from the program so that I can take, we can take that $800 off David's plate and I can contribute in some way, though not financially. I can contribute with childcare. Well, the daycare uh, was amazing, very gracious, and they offered us half off of the tuition, um, which was amazing. They offered us um, $400 a month moving forward, only temporarily until I returned to work. I know. And so um, we, we were really excited about that and decided like we should, okay, now I should really like ramp up the interviewing process and take advantage of this um, lesser price we'll be paying. So that cost has gone back up now to the 800 as of last month. And luckily I have a job that I'm about to start. So that was the rationale there with, with keeping him in, in daycare. And 
um, keeping our sanity um, at home during the day. Well, th- this is wonderful. So, so now let, let's say that we, we didn't just have this whole conversation on groceries and restaurants, right? As soon as you return to work starting June 1st, so month of June, we're going to bring in another at least two to $3,000 a month. Let's call it $3,000 a month after tax um, that you can deploy towards whatever you want at $36,000 annualized. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this, this, so I, I agree that we should, there's things to look at in the expenses and this month would be a really good month uh, before you return to work full time to really kind of put in some systems for keeping those types of expenses low. But now we've got a whole different problem of we're not, so, so what are we going to do with all this money? You're going to, by the end of the year, if you don't have a settlement problem, um, that comes out of the, of the ongoing legal uh, situation that you described earlier, you're going to have $100,000 in cash in the bank. So what do you, you want to do with that $100,000 by this, this time next year? That's what, one way to put the, the, the question. Yeah, I think that's the, that's the big question. <laughs> something, something we wanted to get some advice or maybe you know brainstorming session on. Because when Jen, Danielle left her job, that they really forced us to think about our money situation. And now we're kind of turning it around when she gets a job, we're going to have all this extra money that we don't want to spend like we previously did. But where do we put it? <laughs> so let's go, let's go through what are, what are the top options you've been considering? Well, we've considered um, real estate. Um, we're both really interested in it. Danielle's been wanting to run her own Airbnb. And um, out here where we live in Temple, it's a big medical community, community, big veteran community. And we think that our house that we live in now could be a great medium-term rental, possibly. Uh, so that that's something we've considered, um, putting some of it into low-cost index funds. Um, but we haven't really figured out what our best what direction bet is. I have another idea as well, too, with the layout of our home. You know, we're in like a classic, maybe you would call it ranch style home from the 80s. And the way it's built out is that you could split our our home um, uh, by building a door between our kitchen and our laundry room hallway uh, and garage area. We built a door there. They could we could literally like uh, rent out that as a side of the house, um, as a living space for a family, they would have access to one master bedroom, a laundry room that doesn't come without some renovations as we would have to fully um, close in the garage and put in a kitchen and um, insulation and, and um, make that space livable. But my idea is to house hack in that way by putting in some renovations and being able to actually rent out part of our, part of our house now. Um, and cut, you know, put that towards our mortgage payment here. Um, but that does require some renovations and we don't know what we're looking at cost-wise with that. Okay. I would look at getting a quote, talk to a contractor and see what that would cost. Are we looking at $20,000? Are we looking at $200,000? I'm thinking off the top of my head, it's going to be $35,000, but I don't live in Temple. I don't have any contacts there and I don't know, you know, what your situation is. But for $35,000, what could it rent out for? If you could rent that out for $1,000 a month, you've got three years of payback before you start generating income. Could you do any of the work yourself? If you moved out of this property and rented it as it is today, how much would it rent for? 
roughly around 2000 a month. Conservatively, maybe 2200 And tenants would pay utilities in this, in this place, so it would, you would be clearing 2000 minus your 1450 mortgage payment? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think you've got at least a break-even, if not a slightly positive rental here, especially if that number is conservative, um, on a standalone basis. Is your property zoned to have multiple units? Would you be legally allowed to separate it into two units, or would you be operating a kind of illegal uh, duplex if you did that renovation? Well, we looked into um, zoning for like adding a tiny house in the backyard or something like that, and it seems like it's zoned for that, but I don't know if it's the same rules for converting a garage into a living unit. Okay, I would I would uh, evaluate that because you don't want to spend because like if, if if you can rationalize the investment as a standalone rental property, that makes this much easier, right? Imagine you're not living in it and you're like, hey, I own this place. Would I put in thirty five thousand dollars to separate it into two units? Would that add value to the property? And then what would the cash flow and returns be? That will give you a very clear answer about whether to do this. And I think it'll be much more murky if you do it without understanding if it's legal, uh, if it will be a legal duplex when you when you exit or whether you can rent it out this way. And if you only run it on the income while you're living in the property, right, that, that it will produce. I think that'll make the, the ROI of this a, a lot harder. Also, the official advice, of course, is to abide by all laws and, and do all, everything above the books. Uh, anyway. <laughs> yes, that goes without saying. Uh, however, something to consider is if you do turn this into a rental, where are you going to live? Your housing costs are almost assuredly going to go up because I'm assuming that you have a lower interest rate on this property? We have a fairly high interest rate. We just put a lot of money down. Our interest rate is 5.625%. Oh, okay. Um, and all the equity we have in the house is just m money we put into it when we bought it. Okay. When did you buy this house? Uh, we bought it when October, September. We sold our previous house and we were lucky enough where we got a big chunk of money out of that. And we just rolled it all into this new house. So, you know, what, one of the things that a 5.6%, you said 5.6%? 5.625. 5 5.625, okay. At that interest rate, you know, that brings up another another option here, which is just pay the thing off, right? You could, you would be, you'd be completely done in two years um, if you took your current cash position and the savings that you'll generate over the next two years to pay it off. Is that like the math that's super, super awesome and, and crazy here? No, um, you know, the spreadsheet might model out some other things, but that then chunks you down to, you know, that, that completely solves the spending issue here uh, and allows you to have a, a very stable position that you can grow from the other side. So I won't necessarily push you down that route. It's just one to consider. And it's a very simple and freeing choice if you choose to go. Yeah. Okay. And the other option, but, but I think the fact that you're willing to use this house as an asset is why you're going to be successful one, whichever direction you, you, you go in. Um, you can hold this property as a rental and put down another down payment on a new new property. You can sell this thing uh, and take your, your your proceeds out and move into a true house hack, like a, a duplex, a legal duplex, for example, that would have have those those items or one that's zoned for that type of project. Uh, you can go down the Mindy route of a live-in flip, which is perhaps the most powerful option available, right? Because over two years, it'll t you have to you, you don't have to do it. From, you can do it as fast as you'd like, but if you stay there for two years, you'll get the tax benefits of being able to sell the property um, for a tax-free capital gain. And I I don't know, but you know I think doing that with kids might show a lot of value creation to them. It might be a very valuable life lesson to see the property actually getting fixed up um, over time. And 
and improving. Um, if that's work that you can do yourselves or some do some of the work yourselves and hire it out. So, I mean, that's your biggest asset and allocation decision here is, is this house. And I think you're thinking about it the right way in, in, in racing towards financial freedom. So any reaction to any of those ideas or thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's, um, it's something we've talked about a lot. It, it is a valuable asset and it's, it's really close. Um, like he said to the hospitals and, um, I think it would rent very well. Um, I think we have to definitely give it more, a lot more consideration, but I'll be researching, you know, the, the legality of, um, blocking it off, like just putting that dividing line between, you know, even if we do that, we still have so much house left, um, which is really awesome. Um, so, uh, we could definitely get away with that, I think, but, but yeah, it's, it's also, um, I think we would both be willing to sacrifice, um, if we see the, uh, the returns, the results a couple of years down the line. Yeah. It sounds like we have a lot of good options. We just really have to pick one and go with it, which is a good problem to have. Um, I guess my, qu my question would be is which one would make us get to financial independence faster? I'm curious. Have you been struggling to keep your vacation rental booked? I totally get it. It's tough to manage and keep filled. But we found something that really works. It's called Vacasa. They've seriously changed the game for a lot of the BP audience. In almost every market they're in, Vacasa manages to fill up the calendar more than anyone else. And get this, the average Vacasa user sees about 24% more bookings than with other managers. That's a lot of extra income. Curious to see what you could be earning? You can get a personalized income estimate right there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Vacasa can do for you. Check out biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. Real estate investing is great, but for some, the tenant phone calls and clogged toilets aren't all that attractive. So how do you invest in real estate without getting your hands dirty? Invest for truly passive income with Pine Financial Group. Pine's mortgage fund offers an 8% preferred return and an attractive profit split, with 70% of profits going to the investors. You'll earn passive income by participating in lending to house flippers. And it's secure because senior lien holders, that's you, get paid first. Their rigorous underwriting process and the backing of the physical asset provide additional security in case of borrower default. Plus, by investing with Pine Financial Group, you contribute to the revitalization of communities by redirecting your funds from Wall Street to Main Street, supporting local economies and generating profits simultaneously. This investment is reserved for accredited investors, but if you are not accredited, Pine Financial has options for you too. Don't miss this opportunity to back Main Street over Wall Street and start earning passive real estate income. Learn more about investing with Pine at pinefinancialgroup.com slash BP. That's pinefinancialgroup.com slash BP. What if I told you that I, Mindy Jensen, the queen of budgeting, the personal finance fanatic, sometimes forgot to cancel my subscriptions? I know, it's horrible. $10 here, $15 there. My useless subscription bills could have taken my whole family out to dinner multiple times. Rocket Money can make all that subscription sadness suddenly vanish. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. You can see all your subscriptions in one place and cancel money-sucking subscriptions with a tap. They'll even try to get you a refund 
for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. That's rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. Rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Winning the lottery, but we haven't discussed that one yet. (laughs) So that one aside, I like the furnished rental idea. And just because you decide to furnish the rental and rent it out medium term doesn't mean you can't do some short term, of course, of making sure that the local laws allow for it. So I think your first bet is to your your first uh, homework assignment is to go to the planning department or the permit department and just talk to them. This is where I live. This is what I would like to do. What are my options? What is the house zoned for? And what does that mean? And keep asking them questions until you understand what they're saying. The permit people aren't trying to be obtuse and opaque. They're trying to be helpful, but they use a lot of language that they use in their everyday, day-to-day that may not make sense. So keep asking questions. Oh, you can do this with it. Well, what does that mean? Well, you can do this or this. Well, what does that mean? It's zoned A4. I don't know what zoned A4 means or whatever their zoning is. I'm not from Texas, so I don't know what any of their zoning is. But just ask them what they're talking about and keep asking until you understand. Um, If they say that there's no, that it's not currently zoned for this, ask if you can get a variance What is the process for getting a variance? What is the probability of getting a variance? I went to my own local permit office and they said, uh, there is no way we would ever grant a variance for this. So the seller was telling me, oh, you could build this huge apartment complex on this property. And I went to the zoning department and they're like, there's no chance you will ever be able to build on this property, what you think you can build on here. It doesn't matter what the seller's telling you. It doesn't matter what you want to do. It's your property, but only to a certain point. So talk to the permit office first. But medium term is, I like medium term a lot because it is, it's still the furnished rental. So you're bringing in more income than a traditional long-term rental that's vacant. You can swap it out with the short term if you don't have anybody right now for the medium term. Oh, July's coming up and nobody wants to rent it for July. Maybe I'll throw it up on Airbnb. Again, according to the short-term rental laws in your city, which I hope are very lenient. And you can hopefully flip-flop back and forth. I have a medium-term rental right now that is not allowed to be a short-term rental because of my HOA rules. So uh, that's another thing. If you have it, I don't think you have an HOA. Just make sure that 
uh, you are reading all of the laws. So if you're asking, what should we do to get to financial freedom as fast as possible? And I'm willing to use my housing, work, both of us have both of us work full time and spend additional time after that arranging projects in real estate. Okay, great. I love this. I think you're thinking about it the correct way. The first thing is, can you turn this house into more of an asset, right? I think we've already exhausted that discussion. You need to figure out if that's if that's feasible. If it is, check. That's your first option, right? That's a great thing. You spend a, te- a few tens of thousands of dollars, and you're able to generate fifteen hundred, whatever it is, in rent per month. I mean, that's going to be a killer return that will uh, subsidize your housing dramatically and make a big difference in your financial position. Absolutely, it'll probably also add value to your property in a material way. Um, in, 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 in a short term, if you if you can't do that, if that if you if you do your analysis and that becomes not feasible, then I think that's where we have to say, okay, how do we tap the equity? Most of your wealth is now in this in this property, right? And so you have to either release that equity and put it to something that's going to be more useful or more powerful for you by selling the property and moving into another property perhaps a house hack. I think that one of the biggest opportunities is, you know, in your situation, if you don't want to have roommates, of course, you know, um, is a live-in flip, right? Because that's a way to add hundreds of thousands of dollars in value to your property. um, If you're able to find the right opportunities and really think about it like a business while you're living in there, it'll also allow you to live a luxurious life. If you can finish the flip in six months, you live in it for a year and a half, um, and you enjoy all the benefits of your nice new home that you've created um, while sitting in a pile of equity that you can potentially redeploy or refinance or or, or whatever with that. So I think that's a great uh, option to go looking for. Um, if you're going to house hack again, you are in, you said, an, a, an area with a lot of military presence. Is that correct? Yes. VA loans are assumable. So you may be able to find, you you could be in the weird position in a 2023 setting where if you find that your current house hack isn't going to be, isn't feasible because of the you know zoning or whatever with that, you could sell this current house, pull out $180,000, have your $60,000 for $240,000, and probably take down any property in your local area, assuming a VA loan, perhaps one at a 2 or 3% interest rate. That changes the game for you from a cash flow perspective if you're looking for rentals in the area, right? And military people move all the time. They get new orders and they're gone, right? So you're going to have opportunities from a VA perspective if you have a large military presence. So those would be the, the, the areas that I would go fishing or sniffing around in to find um, great housing or, or real estate investing opportunities if you're willing to go all out with your with, with your housing as, as the, the key tool, which I, I think is correct, but most people aren't, aren't willing to consider it. So kudos to you guys for, for being so clear about your intent to use housing as the, the big leverage point. Yeah, I think David always was. And I just more recently came around once I read your book, That for Life. And then I came around and I was like, okay, and I'm just dove right into like, we have to do this. That's the pathway I see to financial independence. Well, well, thank you for reading it. And I I agree. I think most people are not willing to go there, but if you are, then it becomes clearly the biggest lever in that. And then, you know, I I bet you that after you do one of those moves, either uh, dealing with with your current house hack, um, which by the way, if if you're able to add value to the place and turn it into a legal duplex, for example, you're probably going to jump the value from what, 340 you said? Uh, 310. 310. 310 to something higher than that. 
And you can probably refinance at that point. Your interest rate's not going to be that much higher than the one that you currently have. So adding value and then cash out refinancing, if you want to use the equity again, is not the same deal breaker for you guys as it is for most people in America today. So you actually still have that advantage. That's the the silver lining for your very high mortgage rate that you got in September of this year is that the costs to refinance it for you guys are not nearly as as bad as as for for other folks. So that's all. And then again, you'll have if if you do that, whichever one of those paths you choose, you'll probably still have six figures in cash, one hundred and fifty thousand to do another project. I wouldn't do them twice at once, but you know you could conceivably have two projects done uh, by this time next year or in eighteen to twenty four months which would be a pretty sizable leap forward on your, your journey to financial freedom. In addition to the 35,000 in cash you'll accumulate over the next 12 months from your jobs, minus your, your, your regular spending. How's that sound as, a, as the beginnings of a, of a potential plan? That sounds life-changing. Sounds amazing. Amazing, very exciting, and, and hard, to, hard to imagine. Um, it just seems a little difficult. It seems very difficult getting started, but I feel like it might be like a snowball effect. Like once you do the first one, then you you learn from that, and then you can um, definitely have some some more uh, ammo to go for the next one. And um, but this is all positive news. Things that we're learning that we did not know um, about, like the VA loans um, being assumable. Um, had no idea, and. Um, and I, yeah, I think it's really helpful just to um, have it broken down so clearly because we, we kind of had an idea of these possible scenarios, but they were just floating around in our head and we couldn't really put a finger on like, okay, these are three best options or something. Let's just pick. It was like, should we do this? Should we do that? Like, it was a lot of talk without much clarity really on what's a tangible option for us to pick. Well, well great. And, and And just to kind of go one half step deeper on a couple of those, right? The house hack, you should be able to rule that out within a rule, either say yay or nay on that within the next month, right? That would be very achievable, right? You need to make, do some research with your city to understand the zoning and, and, and do that. Ask questions if you need to set appointments and you need to get a quote or maybe several quotes from contractors. If it, if it is in fact, uh, allow illegal for you to, to separate the units there um, and, and, and do something permanent that would add value, right? If it's not, then you have some other decisions to make around whether you want to proceed with some variation of that, a tiny home or whatever. But that that should be something you could you could be clear on whether to do that or not by the end of May. We're recording this May second, right? This on the flipping side, it doesn't matter what the what the financing is for a, a flip, right? Like like it doesn't matter if the loan's assumable or not because you're gonna have to add a ton of value, most likely. I mean, it, it, it could matter if it's habitable, but you're not really looking for a VA loan on a property like that. Where you're looking for a VA or FHA loan, an assumable mortgage, is if you're willing to move into the property, you have to live in the property in order to assume the mortgage. Um, and if you are, um, uh, and if it would work as a long-term rental, because you lose the advantage of that assumable mortgage if you refinance out of it. Right, you don't want to you don't want to take a three percent mortgage over, and then a few years later refinance it to six percent. That defeats half the value of that particular of that particular purchase. So that would be one where you'd want to not have to do a ton of work on the property, most likely. Or if you do, not not put yourself understand that you probably won't be refinancing and extracting the cash for a long time. This would be a long term hold. That would probably be a cash flow uh, deal after you move out of that future hypothetical house hack. Great, awesome. Thank you. 
I agree with all of that. And I'm thinking, oh, I uh, do this live and flip all the time. Why didn't I go on that rant my own self? Well, David and Danielle, thank you for reaching out to us. And thank you for coming on the show today. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you both so much. Thank you, guys. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. All right, Scott, that was David and Danielle. That was a fun little twist. I think I should have asked them if Danielle was planning on going back to work before we jumped into their finances. But I think that that brings up a bit of an interesting point. When you are planning on quitting your job, I would say if you're planning on going back to work, if you want to leave a job and go to another job, start looking for the next job. If I had spoken with Danielle before she left, I would have given her that advice. Take your time, find a new job before you quit. I I have worked some terrible jobs. I know that it can be so soul crushing to walk into work every day and be like, I don't want to be here. But it's a lot easier to find a job when you have a job. Yeah. And I, I also think... If you're working a job that is soul crushing, then just take a small pay cut. I feel like people don't move jobs unless they get a raise. But like if you if you just go from like 60 to 56 or something like that in, in annual income and the job is less terrible, that's a huge win. And I think that that's the way to that you can escape something that's sucking your soul out if you're if you're working all those hours. It's it's a little bit hard to stomach the loss of four grand, but it's nothing compared to taking, you know, several months off the job. I I do want to point out though that What's awesome uh, about David and Danielle is that once she returns to work, they're going to earn th- – these are, these are two people who are making median incomes, right? The median income in this country is $64,000 a year. So both of them make less than that with their base. Um, David may make a little bit more than that if he has a good year. He has potential to make much more than that, um, but on average, he'll make a little bit more than that. So this is nothing, this is nothing unrepeatable about this. A long history of good financial decisions um, – uh, 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 got them to a place where they had cash to put down on a, on a property here. Um, so they, they had a, a stable base. And the path to financial freedom for them, though, um, what I think is fascinating is it has to be done through housing if they want to get aggressive about it, right? Because we looked at it and we can zoom out and say, you're going to accumulate $36,000 a year. That's 360 grand over 10 years. It's not enough. It'll get you halfway to a million, $500,000, but it's not enough. The best way to get to a large amount of personal net worth in a fast, in a short period of time is start a business. That's not really an option um, that that presented itself as immediately actionable for David and Danielle. They could always go down that path. This next best one is housing. And most middle-class Americans who are earning these median incomes are not willing to chunk out their home equity and reimagine how they're going to do it. House hack, cut their house in half, literally, and, and, um, uh, rent it out to somebody. And if you're willing to do that, that's the cheat code. If, if you're, uh, if you're not an entrepreneur and you don't earn an, a, a six figure income or have two six figure income earners in your household, I think you have to go to housing and use it as, as, as a key strategy in your journey to financial independence. If you're a middle-class American, especially now with interest rates so high and housing prices so expensive, changing the way that you look at housing is going to be the key lever that you can pull to change your financial situation. I don't want to be like Debbie Downer and be like, oh, it's going to be impossible, but it's going to be really, really hard to buy a brand new, beautiful, perfect house and still reach financial independence 
without having extraordinary financial circumstances already. Yeah, you have to earn high income. You have to have some other very fortunate situation come about. You have to have a, like a, you invested in Tesla 10 years ago, uh, like Carl here, uh, you, you know, or, or you, you start a business. I, I, I don't know how you do it. I think, and I think that that's, it's sad that a lot of people are not like David and Danielle and willing to say, you know what? I really, I do need to evaluate my housing. This is not going to be the place where my kids go to high school or college. It's going to be the place that pays for my kids' college um, and and our, and our retirements after that. So I, I think that that's that's a hard harsh reality. Um, and like I don't have advice for somebody. I don't have advice for Dan, David and Danielle to get to financial independence in less than ten years or very close to it without using this. And I'm so glad that they brought it up and wanted to use it. I could not agree more, Scott. All right, should we get out of here? Let's do it. That wraps up this episode of the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. He is Scott Trench, and I am Mindy Jensen saying bye-bye, apple pie. Bigger Pockets Money was created by Mindy Jensen and Scott Trench. Produced by Kaylin Bennett. Editing by Exodus Media. Copywriting by Nate Weintraub. Lastly, a big thank you to the Bigger Pockets team for making this show possible. The market is changing, and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom, and the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into real estate investing or take it to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With the Bigger Pockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals, enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly matched with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.